Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, we'll talk with Lauren Singer, a poet and therapist living in Western Mass, who is currently working on finding meaning by embracing the messiness of grief following the loss of her son two years ago. And Pizza Quest, Volume 3, our mission to find the best pizza in Western Mass. We'll check out Betty's Pizza Shack in Lenox. But first... It's like Planet of the Apes oh. when they get outside and it's just like all of this old architecture and like nothing really works. Like we're in this shell where you can see all the components and how it should work. But here we are with our campfire because nothing is. There's the Statue of Liberty's I arm over there. We're inside the Statue of Liberty broadcasting. You maniacs! You blow it up! For those who haven't been following the story, NEPM is moving from Main Street Springfield to Hamden Street Springfield, and it's caused a bunch of chaos when we want to do things on the radio, and uh, there are very few and far between where studios are working, but... We were already kind of pushing the system to the limits <laughs> for, for how we were doing things anyhow. And here we are again. While we've done a lot of field segments with CISA, the local hero folks, we are doing a field segment, but from our own studio. Yeah, That's not, not in working. the studio, yeah. because the studio doesn't actually isn't actually operating so this is like field notes from the inside is like inner space yeah there we go <laughs> good news jack i think we can rule out demonic possession right off the bat field notes is a storytelling event that's happening a week from this sunday april 30th at the academy of music in northampton presented by cisa and joining us from cisa is jacob nelson and joining us from not only the greenfield farmers market but from the Field Note storytelling event, it's Trouble, Aaron and Gouch Mandison. You got all the names! Yeah! Oh, we, have a, we have a long history uh, between us. But first, Jacob, tell us about Field Notes. Yeah, well, we're super excited to bring Field Notes back to the Academy of Music for the first time since 2019. We'll be there in person. It's our fourth time hosting the show. It's sort of like the Moth Radio Hour for local food stories. Mm -hmm. The difference being that a lot of the people that um, get up on the stage for something like The Moth, storytelling is either their profession or it's directly related to that. We're helping your neighbors from around Massachusetts um, get up on this stage and tell stories about why local food and farming is meaningful to them in some way um, and coaching them from wherever they're at to get up and be able to share these stories with you. Because the type of storytelling the moth does is very, it's a very particular type of storytelling. There is a, a how's to do it and yes. you've got a coach that you're working with, right? Yeah, yeah. We're working um, with the same coach actually that coaches up all the folks that are in the Valley Voices. Um, Shameless plug for NEPM storytelling event. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful series put on by NEPM and the Academy of Music. Shout out to Vanessa Cirilla. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're so excited that Trouble was down to tell a story. Trouble's been bugging me for over a year. When's the next time you're going to do field notes? I really need to Wait, tell I a story. Five years since the last one. I said I've only I, been at CISA for two I years. I said I want to so, do it. Okay. So <laughs> pretty much the my pictures when I went looking are the last set of pictures are from 2018. Well, there was a whole pandemic in the middle, so it kind of makes sense. And then there was a. Uh, I've participated as a host of this event for all of its years, and will be participating again at the end of the month. Excellent. One of the times we did the storytelling event to no one in the Academy of Music except the storytellers and then had a big screening of it at the Northfield Drive-In, oh, which cool. if you've ever seen your head 
six stories tall. Yeah. You don't it's want terrible. to. It's terrible. Yeah, you don't, don't want do to. Don't do it. Yeah, no. it was the only time I ever wanted to leave early from the Northfield Drive. <laughs> that's that's why we're excited to be back in the Academy of Music. Yeah. You're yes, yeah. My head is normal size there, which is already bigger than most people's heads. It, both figuratively movies. and literally. So trouble, Aaron and Gouch Mandison. First of all, I have to pretend like I don't know you and haven't known you for like practically 20 years. You have at to this pretend point. that? Well, a little oh, bit. Okay. Because, so that I can put my mind in a space where we can introduce you in okay. a way that's not so familiar with me. We have to pretend that Monty has history with no one, which right. is okay. a lie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of pretending. Before we get to your actual name being trouble legally, yes. uh, not even your middle name. Some people's middle name is is Trouble, but your first name is Trouble. Um, what will you be telling a story about at Field Notes? I'm going to be telling a story about cooking and learning about farming and local foods since I moved to Western Mass. And I'm always cooking for other people, but I sort of feel this sense that I need to be uh, told I'm a cook. I need to earn the title cook. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of my challenge in my storytelling is cooking, but not feeling like I'm legitimate. Mm -hmm. And then somehow at the end of after cooking dozens of lasagnas, you know, for this lasagnalove.org. I don't know if I can say that. Sure you and, can. You know, and I'm not you know, an underwriter of any plan. Okay. <laughs> like CISA is, full disclosure, we just choose to talk with CISA because we like them. They're not paying for this segment. But lasagnalove.org, little plug here, is where anyone can go and order lasagna for free, no questions asked, every 30 days. And I cook. You don't know about this? No. Oh, my God. Lasagnalove.org. I'm a cook. I do it all at my own expense. I cook free lasagnas. I personally will do vegetarian, vegan, whatever. I make huge lasagnas so you have leftovers. And then I go deliver it and just drop it off on a stranger's front porch. Is it it's fantastic. only local here? No, it's in national. It's a big national organization. Wow. Yeah. So I, like I, my neighbor is has his grandchild living there, so I just left a big lasagna on the doorstep the other day. He gave me a 10 out of 10. Wow. So that was... <laughs> So, Are you changing your story to Garfield notes? No. Garfield notes? No you can use that, that joke because no if you're talking wants... about lasagna and it's field notes, <laughs> Garfield loves lasagna, oh Garfield notes. No one I, wants this. No. I want it. Garfield? Do you, are you old enough to remember Garfield? I remember Garfield. He's in the paper every day still. Oh, still? Yeah, Same the joke. The version of Garfield is two better versions. One is Garfield without Garfield. Which is my favorite. Which is the best. Someone just went in and took the comics and just took the cat out and it ends up being this beautiful existential piece of art. Wow. It's amazing because wow. John just kind of looks like he's talking to himself yeah, like about his, his problem. Mind. Right. And then there's a series where people turned Garfield into this like eldritch Lovecraftian monster over a series of comics and it's beautiful. Wow. I have to check that one out. What comic store do you go to? <laughs> All of them. Okay. We're speaking with yeah. Jacob Nelson from CISA, the local hero, folks, and Trouble Aaron and Gouch Mandison, who's a storyteller at Field Notes, coming up on April 30th at the Academy of Music, a wonderful storytelling event, hearing about stories from our agricultural community. And another thing that you do, Trouble, is you are a volunteer at the Greenfield Farmer's Market. Well, I'm kind of the assistant fill-in manager. Yeah, because they, yes. do they not have a manager at the they, moment? They have one new full-time manager, Hannah Logan. She's awesome. She's reconfiguring and just putting new life into it and working very hard. And I am just going to fill in for her. Mm -hmm. For instance, I'm doing opening day because she can't be there for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what my role is. I just, I love the market. I believe in it so much. And I wanted 
just be a supporter of it, whether they pay me or I volunteer. If people you know. want to volunteer for their local farmer's market, who do they generally look for or to? Maybe ask the market manager who's well, at whatever particular market. I mean, I don't really know about volunteers. To be perfectly honest, usually there's a manager. Mm -hmm. There might be an assistant or fill-in manager, but I don't really know of, you know, because we're just creating the space for the farms to come in and mm -hmm. the and the artisans. You know, we're not a, a for-profit group, right? We're just sort of creating the structure for them to come and sell their stuff. So I will say, if you want to learn more about what farmer's markets are in your area, CESA and our uh, online guide for local farms and food has all of the markets that are in the three counties of the Connecticut River Valley um, and Berkshire grown over to our west and Central Mass grown over to our east, as well as Mass Farmers Market, which is a statewide organization coordinating farmers markets from sea to mountains. They're a great place to just find um, find what markets are around you. And there's a bunch of new ones that are opening up this year, which is exciting. Many of these markets are looking for volunteers and folks to get involved in any way. Um, and they all have at least one point person, one manager. Um, and that's a, that's a great person to get in touch with. The Greenfield Farmers Market, the outdoor market, debuts yeah. this season this weekend. No, April 29th. Oh, 29th. Yeah. Oh, so, God, I got my hopes up. Oh. Dang it. Oh, oh two yeah. weeks. And right. it's also Healthy Kids Day. The Y is having a day of free activities, so we're trying to kind of bring that theme to the market on the first day. We have Tina and her pony, who is our opening act. I like that. Oh, yeah, it's really great. When I'm with you, I have to find a tomorrow. Change my mind. Is it her? Because I don't think it's a real pony. No, the pony is also a person seemingly of the female persuasion. I can't make assumptions, but mm -hmm. she does say her pony. So, right. yeah. And the market is really full this year with old vendors, new vendors. The city is sponsoring food trucks. And so there's going to be like a rolling roster of food trucks, hopefully every week, serving a lot of different food, which will, you know, make it kind of fun. And like I said, the new manager is really trying to breathe new life. You know, COVID really dragged it down for a couple of years. And, you know, we hope to have a really thriving full market this year. And it's right outside of Hawks and Reed and Greenfield, right in front of City Hall, right on that green, that common right there. Probably not next this weekend, because who would want to have the farmer's market and meltdown happening at the same time oh, yeah. in the same space? Shameless plug for our uh, former radio station's event, and you'll hear more about it on tomorrow's show, the Free Family Music and Book Bash in the exact same place in front of Hawks and Reed. Shameless plug. Exactly. This Saturday. So then next Saturday. Yeah, I can't imagine the mess and just the the shenanigans that would happen if that were happening. It would be fun. Time. Well, that's like Bee Fest. You're that's right. this day Bee Fest is yes. the farmer's market. Yeah, it's chaos. Which is yeah. another big Greenfield event yeah. celebrating bees and pollinators. Yay! Trouble, yeah. we, our first major encounter was also in this same location at City Hall in Greenfield. Yes. Because for my old show on the river, Shortly after equal marriage was passed in the Commonwealth, ah, I might cry a little bit. Uh, Massachusetts, you and Gouch reached out to me and wanted to offer up putting your wedding on the radio. <laughs> so I went to your wedding at City Hall. I recorded it. I turned it into a radio piece. And now we've we've known each other ever since. I went to your wedding anniversary. Oh, tenth anniversary. You came over. <laughs> yeah. And now it's we just celebrated 16 years married. Oh, that's amazing. I know. It I, is. So tell us now about the name Trouble, because it is your legal name. It is my legal name. Okay. I went to college at 40. I lived on campus. 
I went through the whole traditional student experience F40. And one of my teachers used to say, oh, here comes trouble. <laughs> I mean, I would sit in the front and raise my hand without cease the entire class. I got asked to sit in the back and give other people a chance to talk. <laughs> so, you know, I'm no different than I am now, big talker and interrupter. And so it just sort of, it's stuck. I I was actually dating someone and she started calling me trouble and it just really stuck. And then I decided there's something affirming about putting my hand out to someone and saying, hi, I'm trouble. (laughs) And, you know, the responses are, as you can imagine, uh, all over the spectrum. And it really, it makes me, former shy girl, feel very empowered. And I kind of like to let people know what's coming their way because I'm a hurricane. I'm a ball in a china shop. (laughs) And so I changed it legally, I don't know, I think it was 2009. So it's been a really long time. And, you know, I don't correct people if they asked if my mother named me that, because sometimes that's a fun to pretend that happened to. Yeah. So that's the story. That's the story behind Trouble. And now, apart from cooking lasagna for people at yeah. lasagnalove.org. Lasagna I love to have to check that out. Oh, it's so to. cool. And being uh, an assistant to the market manager, yeah. we'll say, yeah. at the Greenfield Farmer's Market, which will debut a week from this Saturday, not this Saturday. You also, you're an artist. I'm you an write artist. for the Montague Reporter. I'm, yep. I'm a hospice volunteer. I've been doing that 18 years. And I'm you wrote a, a, like a little treatise about, like a comic book too. about I, I smashing pu- the patriarchy. I published two comic <laughs> books. One is a profile of kick-ass women in history that no one knows about. And the other one is a handbook to smashing the patriarchy. Yes. And I sent them to some of the area schools and libraries. I'm actually in the C.W. Mars library catalog wow. for my comic books. Oh, awesome. You know, Central and Western Massachusetts Library yes. Regional System, C.W. Mars. As a reader, lifelong and library nerd, that is like the ultimate. And, yeah. and I even I regret only that my mother's not alive to see me <laughs> in the library system. Yeah. No, I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say, and I'm constantly changing the medium with which I decide to express it, mm-hmm. whether it's painting or comic books or just yeah, t- storytelling. Right. So storytelling. How- this is my first time. I saw it happening. I said, I want to do that. I've always wanted to tell stories. What's the one where people read from their journals? Mortified. Uh, mortified. Yes. <laughs> there is a show called Mortified where people get up and read their like journals their from high junior school, high. high school, <laughs> and middle and school I, journals. And I have those journals. Oh, wow. But they're always like Boston. They're bigger. You know, so I never went. Oh, you saved the evidence. I burned my <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Sometimes I read it and I'm... No one can see this ever. Oh, I'm even humiliated by it. I still like opening it and the burning shame if anyone had ever read this, you know, at 17 when I wrote it. But, you know, I always wanted to tell stories, but I've never really performed short of the third grade where I believe I was a lady in waiting and I said, I'll walk for you, my lord. And that's my entire performing. Now you're smashing the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) So Trouble Errant and Gouch Mandison will be one of the uh, storytellers at Field Notes a week from this Sunday, April 30th at the Academy of Music in Northampton. How many other storytellers? Jacob Nelson from CISA who puts on this storytelling event. So Trouble is going to be joined by six other wonderful people on stage. um, And we're so excited that people with such rich and amazing stories to tell like Trouble are going to be there with her. Um, we have one storyteller who's going to be telling his story in Spanish. I was just going to ask! <laughs> Which is exciting for us. We're finding um, that uh, just that that doesn't happen a lot around here. And <laughs> we're excited to, to try to be part of um, a little part of the change to that. We're excited to bring you their rich and amazing stories about how food has touched their lives 
Um, and sliding scale tickets are on sale now at CISA's website for as little as $10 at buylocalfood.org. Come join us at the Academy for a, a two-hour matinee next Sunday. We're excited to see you there. Jacob Nelson from CISA, the local hero folks, and Trouble Aaron and Gouch, Madison, storyteller, market manager, author, illustrator. Volunteer. Volunteer, baby lasagna lover. maker. Hot baby food. lover. Babies too. I've been loving on babies. <laughs> you can find out more at buylocalfood.org. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Thanks, Monty. Monty. And Kelly's. Oh, no, I'm a side project. No. Not at all. You're the main course. Our engineer, Betsy, picked up a CISA Farmer's Market Flyer at her local CW Mars library. <laughs> They're really useful. Later in the show, we'll talk with Lauren Singer, poet, therapist living in Western Mass, currently working on finding meaning by embracing all of those cruel things that happen to us and turning them into something that we can live more with following the son of loss of her son two years ago. Up next, Pizza Quest, Volume 3. We dive into a pie from Betty's Pizza Shack in Lenox in an effort to try to find the best pizza in Western Mass. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Pizza Quest! Here we are in the Berkshires at Pizza Quest 3 because we are on the search for the best pizza in the 413 at Betty's Pizza Shack. Betty's Pizza Shack. Yes, in Lenox, Massachusetts, right in the heart of the Berkshires. And this was recommended by our director, Tony Dunn. I recommended Betty's. Betty's is one of my top three pizza places in the Berkshires. I would say Betty's ranks number two on the list. Cliffhanger. High praise indeed. Do you guys want a second to look at the menu? Nope, we know exactly what we want. Can we have a large pizza that is half cheese and half pepperoni and mushroom? Yeah, great. Thank you. Which is what you have to do for Pizza Quest. It's it's the control. It is the control because mushrooms are always contentious. There's a divide over whether they are canned or fresh. And pepperoni is also sort of contentious because the size, the variety, there is a wealth and a broad spectrum of pepperonis you may encounter. And the pepperoni here, in my humble opinion, is what sets Betty's apart from other pizzerias. Okay, so now we have standards and something to look forward to. We've talked a lot about pepperoni cupping. A lot of times the super fancy pepperoni, as opposed to just lying flat like you bought it out of a Ziploc bag hanging on a hook in a supermarket, seems like it is of a higher quality or maybe it's just cooked at a higher temperature it's, and it curls. Yeah, it's the temperature. And if Mark Latanzi, our, our pizza guru, were here today... Rest in peace, Mark Latanzi. No, oh, no, he didn't die. Oh my gosh, he just couldn't just come to the here. party. He's working like a normal person. He'd tell you, like I'm telling you now, that it's a matter of temperature. Like when your temperature is high, you get enough heat to make those edges shrink in very fast so they'll maintain the cup when it comes out. If you're oven is at a lower temperature, it won't do that. And by the time that it's at a temperature where it could do that, the cheese is already kind of bonded to the edge of the pepperoni, so it won't. So cupping is a good sign generally. And I will tell you that unless things have changed dramatically since the last time I've been here, which was pre-pandemic, I might add, it's all about the cup. What I immediately loved about this place is that it's called Betty's Pizza Shack. I love anything that's called a shack. Captain shake Jack. Shack. Well, I've never actually been to a Shake Shack, but I hear people love that. It's okay. Yeah, it's our um, Captain Jack's Roadside Shack, Max Shack on the Cape. So you call it a shack. I love it. And the decor here, 
I'm already in love. There's so much kitsch here. Like, we're between a picture of the two main characters from Treasure Island and the uh, cast fantasy. of Fantasy. 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 Oh, sorry. The plane! The plane! Today's is almost late bus. Not likely, Tattoo. Not likely. Fantasy Island, my bad. And Airwolf. Autograph picture from Airwolf that looks like a real autograph. Uh, an autograph picture of Rocky Balboa that says, Yo, Betty, you rock Rocky Balboa, which and seems obviously not a real autograph. No, I don't hate Balboa. And a poster from movie of previous Fabulous 413 guest, John Sayles, Piranha. I love it. They're watching the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on the TV I know, behind that's, here. That's like an endorsement already. <laughs> that show is fantastic. There is a giant, life-size, almost life-size cutout of Mr. T. But I pity the fool. There's a wrestling poster right across from us, and I can't see who it is, but I already love it. It's yeah. somebody doing, like, a flying slam. Yeah, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, or Jimmy, <gasps> Jimmy Superfly, Superfly Snooker. Jimmy Superfly Snooker! That was my initial guess, but I don't know. There are paper plates that probably mostly kids have done drawings on or hanging up here, and it's got, like, this corrugated metal. And they're playing M83 right now. I'm all good. Yeah. Even if the pizza sucks, we already love Betty's Pizza Shack. The pizza will be a plus. Pizza has arrived. Being the only ones here, again, in the middle of the day, took a long time. So, constructive criticism. Yeah, I would well, agree. They also just got off of lunch rush. Yeah, all right. Also, cash only. Mm -hmm. Respect cash only. that, because you're probably up to some no good shenanigans. So I'm here for that. Cash or check. <laughs> yes, or check. They're keeping their money local. Like, there's a lot of places that do that, and that's okay. Do you guys want any ranch hot sauce or parmesan with oh. No, thanks. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay, so first comment. Fresh mushrooms. This is our first fresh mushroom place. It definitely appears to be. Second observation. Parmesan cheese sprinkled, dried Parmesan cheese sprinkled around the edge. Yes, right and the crust. Um, there is a roof of cheese, but it feels like a different roof of cheese. It doesn't feel like your traditional roof of mozzarella cheese. Also, no, uh, nothing underneath, like no cornmeal, no, no flour in that way, but good spotting. There is some decent leoparding on this, and they do look like they have a wood-fired pizza oven, right? Or they have a fire pizza oven. Yeah, which will get hotter, which is good for your pizza. Yeah, I don't know what they're firing that with, but they're definitely putting it in a fire oven, not just like an electric oven where they're cooking a pizza. Yeah. And in regard to pepperoni cupping, these are tiny pepperoni, and there's a lot of good cupping. Yes, and there's a lot of them. This isn't just like a handful of pepperoni slices just scattered about every slice is loaded with pepper these tiny little pepperoni perfectly cupped and am i the only one who feels both a little bit uncomfortable but also very comfortable talking about cupping it's like my brain immediately goes to eastern medicine instead of the place that yours goes okay in which case i will say that cupping is uncomfortable for me but it works for some the eastern medicine one yeah right because it's just like you know not scientifically proven. No, it's also like a vacuum on your skin, and you know, if that's sort of wow, that was that was about to get into a dive no one wants. Let's get back to pizza. <laughs> I'm still gonna wait because I'm not gonna burn myself. I've already got a broken finger. Whatever, you're pretending <laughs> you're not gonna make mistakes. I'm trying to get a jackhammer to continue my household project that already injured me. <laughs> 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 
Elise has some pizza, the cheese pizza in her mouth. Tony has the pepperoni and the mushroom. Too hot yet? Did I make yeah. the right decision? It's good to no, go right perfect now. Okay, good. The cool thing about, the interesting thing about this, rather, is that the crust is definitely, like, more Neapolitan style, like, more New York style, like, thinner. But the sauce is definitely Greek. Ah. There's oregano in there. It's not too much, but, like, there's enough you, you notice it. And the cheese, although it's a, a bit of a roof, like, the dryness of it works well in a way that doesn't seem overpowering in the way that pizzas with cheese roofs usually are. Initial thoughts on the pepperoni mushroom side, Tony Dunn? Uh, the mushrooms are excellent, and I've always been a big fan of the pepperoni, as I sort of hinted uh, coming in. It is a very thin pizza. It's a very flimsy pizza. Some people like that, some people don't. I'm somewhere in between. I do like a little more crust, and I like a little more bread to my pizza. Uh, this one's all about the toppings. The toppings clearly outweigh the actual um, bread and crust. The dough has good chew to it, but flavor-wise it doesn't necessarily stand out in a way that I thought like Pizza Europa did, even though it was doughy. Like their dough tastes really good. This dough is a good canvas, and the other things shine a lot more. This pepperoni is pretty fantastic. I think the sauce is too sweet, and I don't mean this in a too insulting way, but there's a little bit of a Chuck E. Cheese element. The crust is not Chuck E. Cheesy, but the sauce is Chuck E. Cheesy. If, if Pizza Guru Mark Montanze were here, he would have serious things to say about this crust. Uh-huh. So what's your take? If you were to talk for our, our uh, amateur pizzaiola, Marco Latanzi, who's been at the other pizza quests. Despite the fact that I really like the pepperoni, I like the pepperoni, but the pepperoni's carrying the topping half of this pizza. The cheese one was a little bit better. You got a little bit better of a an idea of what it was like. The, the sauce is a little too thick. I do like the dryness of the cheese. That's where we were going to differ anyway. And this crust needs to have a little bit more of its own backbone. The pizza itself, like the cheese side, demonstrates to me that it's relatively unremarkable. It's the toppings, and for me, in this case, the pepperoni specifically, that puts it way over the top. It's spicy. It's uh, hearty, and there's tons of it, and that's why I love coming here uh, for the pepperoni. Although, frankly, like, I am way more of a fan of fresh mushrooms on pizza, but on the topping side, like, the pepperoni and the mushroom are, like, all what it's about, and although I know that's supposed to bring something to the pizza, it can't be all of the pizza. It needs a big enough background to carry the topping to make it something extra. Um, and I'm does it right. Now we'll argue off the air about fun period in Janelle Monet's We Are Young, the song that's playing in the background here at Betty's Pizza Shack in Lennox. Okay, so let's not, like, I love Nate Russ. Let's not talk about, like... <laughs> okay, Betty's Pizza Shack, Lennox. Pizza Quest 3, final thoughts. Tony Dunn. For me, it's all about the pepperoni, and I love the pepperoni here. I love the cupping. I love Watch Yourself, Monty. I'll do yeah. my own personal cupping. Oh dear, and I worry. I I, I love. You worry a lot. Oh, you're I do. Director, and I say things like that. Yeah. Oh yes, t- all, all the time. And I love the amount of pepperoni, and and it's uh, it's a very um, spicy pepperoni. So it's all about the pepperoni for me. So I I am a big fan of Betty's, but the pepperoni specifically pizza. Clee Smith. 
I think their toppings are a big win for sure. Like fresh mushrooms is always a plus for me. Their pepperoni is really, really good. That said, I think the other things need a little bit of work, but in the interim, like this is not bad pizza. I think the fact that it's a shack and it's got sort of like a beach theme and all the weird ephemera on the walls and the signs, the experience is really fun. The also, pizza is pretty good. You didn't see that they have a thing called the Rambo. There's a challenge on. Oh my God! On Thank the table. God you didn't tell me about this because what's the challenge? Yeah, we to had to get outside. I, yes. You have an hour to eat the Rambo. They drew first blood, not me. The Rambo is a pizza with like tops with not just toppings on the pizza, but wings and nachos. Oh my God! I'm coming ranch. back immediately for this. <laughs> Look, it's like the I Ziggy will... Pig from Bill and Ted's. The single greatest ice cream spectacle known to man. Eat the pig. Eat the pig. Ziggy, 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 ziggy. I will help you. I have. I feel like there's no <laughs> way there's not a people limit to how many folks they're willing to let be a part of this nonsense. Yes. Uh, but if you do come back for it, like I'd be down because I can't not <laughs> probably figure out if it's actually still a thing or if this is a memento from like a, an earlier years gone an by. An earlier bygone era time. when Rambo was still cool. <laughs> Who are you? Nightmare. And the picture for it will be up on our social media because that's priceless. <laughs> Coming up, poet Lauren Singer speaks with us and shares her work, talks about how it navigates through grief and other challenging parts of life. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. Lauren Singer is a Western Mass-based psychotherapist and poet whose work has been published in various literary journals throughout the country. She's the assistant judge for WinningWriters.com's Wurgle Flomp Humor Poetry Contest and is currently co-facilitating a local writing group for grieving mothers outside of her private practice. In May, she will launch her podcast, Sad Comfy Couch, alongside her podcasting partner, Emmy Collins, which will navigate life after infant loss and how to retain a sense of humor through the wreckage of grief. Lauren, thank you for joining us. Do you want to start with a piece? Sure. Um, Keeping in line with uh, lasagna as theme. (laughs) Yeah, we had we talked with Trouble about lasagnalove.org, which you can go and get a free lasagna once a month. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. If I had known, I would have had so many lasagnas. I mean, you can still have, like, your, I might. your fate is in your hands. That you might totally be the thing this. I give myself. Seriously. <laughs> this is called Grief Casserole. My friends are in the kitchen making lasagna because my baby died. What a horrifying thing to be real. A thought so foreign and absurd, I want to laugh at it. I lay in my bed and I listen to them talk about how to best care for me. One layer of pasta, one layer of cheese. I stare off into the corner at the maternity gown I planned to give birth in on Sunday, but on Friday last, we couldn't find a heartbeat. Ladle the ragu over the top and spread. Sprinkle mozzarella at will. I am a walking haunted house. How do you tell someone who encourages you to open the shades and let the sunshine in that a seven-pound child ceased to exist inside your body and now you walk around still feeling him kick? I put the soothing gel on my C-section scar the way I am supposed to, wear the mesh underwear, and keep my incision dry. How many times have I gone through this, steps, over the last nine months? I never imagined the empty womb without the child in my arms. Bake at 400 degrees until the cheese is brown and bubbly, 
let cool to congeal. They bring me a square of lasagna to eat in bed, the dog sniffing hopefully for a scant crumb. Everything tastes like iron and blood, but I chew and swallow for them. Cover with foil, store for later. It will be here should I ever be hungry again. Insult to injury is the too much lasagna that takes up tangible space inside my life the way my dead child never will. Nothing will ever be okay again, lasagna or not. The vultures spread out on the lawn as if they know I'm rotten. Freeze leftovers. Do not overheat. Yeah. It's just trying to bum you out real quick on a <laughs> Tuesday but afternoon. You say that, but like one of the things that I have always admired about your work is just your sense of prosody. And so even though this poem is very heavy, like there's like that. I mean, all art seeks to connect. Right. Mm -hmm. And there is something inherently like easy to connect with in your work that I've always thought was really, really cool from the first time we read together. Mm -hmm. So like this is all about fangirl service for Khalees this (laughs) afternoon. Oh, please. Fangirl. (laughs) Over here blushing. (laughs) So it's clear from that poem what you had to experience. Mm -hmm. And. Now you've been wrestling with this for coming up on two years. Yeah. And you were a poet before all of this happened in your life as well, right? Yes. And how um, – is it a natural outgrowth of your all of your experiences, heavy ones and not as heavy ones, that you want to create poetry like this? Or did the poetry help you more than it did in you know in before the – loss of your child like is this therapy for you as opposed to art or is it both I would say that it's both because I think that the writing that I do on my own is therapy and then the writing that I share is art so it's definitely a combination and I'm I'm also a therapist and so I just it's always been so I don't know in my own nature to kind of create process that is creative as a means of just like exploring whatever is kind of warbling around in my head. And then when I get to share it with people, that's the part that feels artistic or performative, I would say. How do you define where that line is for you? You know, I don't actually know. I think sometimes I'll write something and it feels so deeply personal and I know that it will never go anywhere but, you know, inside my notebook. And then other times I'm like, I really want to share this one particular line or I get one line in my head and I I know that, like, it's, it's something that I want to say out loud to a group because it it resonates with me in a way that I think would resonate with other people. But in terms, sometimes it's just, it's just my own need to like externalize. We want to hear um, more about your upcoming podcast and how your work doing this sort of thing and talking about these really heavy things is helping not only you, but other grieving parents. Uh, But let's hear another poem. Sure. We're talking with Lauren Singer, Western Mass based psychotherapist and poet. The big dog fell off the bed. And now she thinks she cannot get back on. I want to explain to her that she can just jump up as she has always done. That next time does not guarantee another fall. But she is big and dumb and sweet and stands crying at the foot of the bed, too heavy for me to lift her. So I cry too because I can't explain it to her. Because I don't want to sleep alone and neither does she. And if I were smarter, I would know what sort of metaphor for life this was. But my dog and I are just sad in this untranslatable wait for the night to be over and for her to forget what she couldn't do yesterday. Seriously, just so I, I love it. 
<laughs> so not only are you working on a podcast about grief and processing, but you're working on a writer's workshop for that as well. Yeah, it's well, it's not a workshop because we're not critiquing Fair each enough. other. It Fair would be, enough. Like we were talking about this, my co-facilitator Mary and I were talking about like, it would be really funny if we were just like doing the like deep grief work and we're like, you know, that part didn't make me want to cry so much. <laughs> so I think you should kind of just like scale back. It was a little like, too I felt, much. I felt more okay <laughs> after these lines. Yeah, I just I like, feel sadder. I just want to be wrenched. Yeah. No. Um, so it's just a process for um, people who identify as mothers who have lost children who just come together and write um, once a week. We're hoping to do one in May. It might you know, might happen, might go on hiatus until the fall. We're trying to figure that part out. But um, between that and then, yeah, my, my friend Emmy and I are both, um, we call ourselves loss moms, um, are people who have lost babies. And um, basically, we needed an outlet to be able to talk about this like deep, heavy, ugly thing, but still find uh, ways through it that make us laugh. It's like you're the most horrible thing that you can imagine can happen and you can still be funny. And this is kind of our outlet for that is to kind of talk about that realness while having some levity about it. Because if you can't laugh, you don't survive this kind of thing. Ugh. Yeah, it is like my greatest fear. And yet I can imagine if I if this happened to me, I would handle it in a very similar way yeah. where it would be this kind of quote unquote gallows humor where it would you just have to go, you know, whistling past the graveyard in this really with this super, super, super sad thing that you're going through. And um, I was reading through some of your posts and you were talking about, you know, having an internal critic mm -hmm. where you, you don't want people to see these parts of you and you try so hard in your life to hide them, but that you have kind of fully embraced this very extraordinarily difficult thing that you've gone through now and taken it even to another level where you're being public about it. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, I think for me, I'm, I, I think I've been always trying to create some kind of humor, some kind of relatability about that internal critic, because I know just through my work that we all struggle with it. And then after this loss, which feels like this great failure or this, you know, this sort of unthinkable thing, not being able to find my way through it with something that, you know, again, it's like that's it's like a, a, a sick need to laugh because otherwise you just I mean, I stayed on the floor for like a good six months before I could do basic things like, you know, put shoes on. So on the other side of that, talking with people who have been through this also, the gallows humor is the way that you figure out not only how to put shoes on, but to go out and meet people and kind of con connect over the things that, um, again, we're all going to go through some level of tragedy in our lives. So doing it with people who have some understanding of that while also laughing with you. Other people can't make jokes about our losses with us, but we can use that gal the gallowsist of the gallowsy humor. And that's what kind of make survival possible. Not, not to bring up my sister twice in a week, mm. but my sister who survived childhood cancer mm. does the same thing with like people from like, her camp and like people who, who also survived who were like at the hospital with her. Like she makes these dark jokes about chemo and cancer and like to random people. And we're like, Sam, they don't know. <laughs> they, they don't know that you're joking yeah. about like this. Um, so like, I, I get it like that, that connection that people get over, over tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason why I keep telling people that I really want dead baby knuckle tattoos because I don't want to talk about like whatever I'm thinking, but sometimes if I just like throw up the fists, just 
it just explains it for itself. And people are like, you know what? You're, you're not allowed to do that. So I, <laughs> I made my friend draw it for me. It also, yeah, it happens to be, is it the logo of your podcast? It's the logo of my podcast. Yeah, both yeah. Police and I were like, we're not going to say the name of the podcast because it would be inappropriate for us to. But that is what. Oh, you, I'm, you... I'm here for it. I'm here to make everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> well, let's make everybody feel a little more uncomfortable with another poem before we take a break. We're talking with Lauren Singer, who is a Western Mass based poet and psychotherapist. And podcaster. And podcaster. (laughs) I wish autocorrect would stop suggesting the word pregnant while I'm going about my menial tasks and replying half-heartedly to my morning business. Hope this email finds you pregnant. Let's check in later. Tomorrow I might be too pregnant. As though the world is not relentless enough. As though every haphazard step I take forward is not a blind, groping scuttle through a landmine. There was a mother at the supermarket waiting in the deli line. I watched her boy, no more than one, repeatedly throw the same toy on the ground, reject a bottle, and scream. The woman, dark circles like tree rings under her eyes, looked at me, searching for compassion. Want a kid, she asked, exhaling a half laugh. How do you explain to someone the simultaneous gut-punching relief of uninterrupted shopping and the sudden empathy for desperate women who kidnap babies in grocery stores? No one wants to hear the truth anyway. I picked up his toy the next time he threw it and walked away without my turkey. I would have 16 more C-sections and a dozen more botched epidurals to never be called strong again. Mothers are strong, even when their babies live. You only call me strong because there's nothing else to call me. I probably wouldn't have been a very good mother anyway. Yeah. I'll cheer you up in a few minutes. Yeah, we're going to talk about boobs on the other side of the break. And who bringing, doesn't love that? I'm bringing boobs back. <laughs> we're speaking with poet Lauren Singer. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEP. Such a good poem. <laughs> Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. We're here with Lauren Singer, who's a Western Mass-based psychotherapist and poet whose work's been published in various literary journals and who is starting a new podcast, has a writing session, shall we say, starting up all dealing with grief in our lives and how we get through that. But that's not the only topic she writes about I want to make Clear. Even though she writes about it so brilliantly. So brilliantly. We were speechless for the first time in the history of the show. But in addition to just the way that your language comes off the page and seems incredibly human, like your humor is definitely one of the other things that came into play. Like I remember the poem that you read the, I think, only time we've ever read together Mm. about the eggplant pizza, (laughs) which I absolutely adore. Go out and find it. Not radio friendly. It is very But it is very funny. It is very funny. (laughs) It is very not radio friendly. But, like, humor has always been a part of your work, not just because, not just as coping mechanism. What drew you to make, like, those, like, lighter moments in, in poetry part of your work? Um, I think I was just like one of the weird kids growing up and just had a sort of knack for making people laugh. And I I don't think it was necessarily because I was like pulling like big gags or body humor type of person. I think it was just that like I found that when I talked about really mundane things in an approachable way and put a little twinge on it, made people laugh. And I just kind of got addicted to that as sort of like a craft. And um, I'm never going to be the kind of person who stands on a stage doing stand up. It's just I would myself 
So, but I you might can see well. her at a TED Talk giving, like, doing the Beyonce poem, which I would suggest <laughs> because true. it's also pretty great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, can we hear the aforementioned uh, poem? Absolutely. Um, it's called "Boobs Are Still a Big Deal." <laughs> In third grade, I will discover my power when I decide I need to make some money. If I buy lunch every day, I cannot buy pogs on my walk home at McNulty's ice cream shop, and then I cannot impress Chris Brady, who has a Tasmanian double lunchbox and a gaping toothless smile. My best friend, who's also named Lauren, which is the main reason that we're best friends, decides we should start a business. She says, boobs are becoming really important. I don't know what she means, but she sounds very serious. I nod knowingly. Yes, I say. That evening, we go to her house. Her stepbrother, at 16, has a very large supply of pornography hidden in a trunk under his bed. Lauren and I gasp over the illicit images on the glossy pages of his magazines. We are scandalized but intrigued. We have seen our mothers in various states of undress, and their bodies do not look like these. I want to look like this one, Lauren says. This one is a hairless, shiny blonde with dead eyes that terrify me. I flip through a Christmas-themed hustler. I cannot find a girl to personify with, but there is a small dog being cradled in the cleavage of a naked elf. I like this one, I say. She at least has pets and a costume. Lauren will grow up to get breast implants. I will grow up to love theme parties and then adopt a puppy. After our extended research, we realize that this is our gold mine. But your stepbrother will notice when his magazines go missing. For a moment, we debate on many things breaking into my dad's office to use his photocopier, taking pictures of the centerfolds on our cheapo plastic cameras and developing them in disguise at the pharmacy. But we are limited by our littleness, resentful and too smart for our own good. Alas, it hits us. Our creativity knows no bounds. Back at my house, we break out all my art supplies. Within the hour, we have created a masterpiece, 20 copies of our very own hand-drawn porn entitled Lauren and Lauren's Lovely Ladies. The figures we have drawn look to us like erotic works of art. We focus on the breasts first and foremost, making sure each girl has perfectly round attachments on her chest. I have a stencil with a circle scale, small, medium, and large. At school the next day, we publicize this with impeccable marketing. Lauren's house is full of junk food. Buy a copy of our magazine, get a free handful of peanut M&Ms. We advertise during computer class, just in time for lunch. We print out a paper that says, 50 cents for boobs, pass it on. (laughs) Our friend Ryan gets some royalties for keeping it quiet and getting us the money. We are sold out by recess. Lauren and I become entrepreneurs overnight. Fourth graders are finding out about us. Other kids are trying to sell knockoff mags. But we are the originals. We are famous. We start getting special requests. Draw me Buffy. Make her boobs medium large. I want a picture of Kelly Kapowski in a grass skirt. Huge boobs. We're working at school drawing practice circles in the margins of our math problems. I can't look at the light fixtures in my bedroom anymore. How did I never notice they were just huge boobs? Eventually, some kid leaves our fourth issue in the backpack that his mother checks for homework every night. She is horrified, disgusted. He rats us out immediately. The next day, Lauren and I are promptly excused from our morning classes and escorted to the principal's office. She can't make us talk, I say. I betray our pact immediately when Mrs. Hoden holds up our magazine. Are you girls responsible for this, she asks. I burst into tears. I just wanted pogs, I will. (laughs) And boobs are a really big deal. (laughs) Lauren nudges me in the side. Freedom of speech, she yells. And between snotty sniffles, I agree. We were practicing our constitutional rights. 
Lauren and I get detention for a week. We have to sign a form that says we will not take lunch money from kids in our class ever again. But Mrs. Hoden thinks we're clever, and she doesn't tell our parents. I know she is a feminist without knowing what a feminist is. She says, most bodies don't look like this. She even laughs at some of our pictures. We have to be kids again, she says, and wait for time to defile us naturally, to skew our imaginations into the expectations we never knew we had of ourselves while we were drawing circles on stick figures with crayon defiles us naturally is exactly <laughs> the line that I'm talking about that shows up in your work all the time. That's just brilliant. It's, it's so wonderful. Great. Thank you so much. Lauren Singer, who is a Western Mass-based poet and psychotherapist and has a new podcast coming out called... Sad Comfy Couch, the Dead Baby Podcast. <laughs> when and where can we find it? Um, right now, it is scheduled to be released on May 3rd, and um, it will be wherever you can find podcasts. And we have an Instagram called uh, Sad Comfy Couch, where you can find us in the meantime. And if they want to look for your chapbooks so that they can read their, your sad and wonderful poems at the same time. <laughs> you can uh, just DM me on Instagram for now. Um, my personal Instagram is Lauren Oscopy, which... Is spelled how it sounds. Yeah, and I'm due for one of those, I believe, as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you Lauren so much. Singer, so much. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Tomorrow on the Fabulous 413, there are lots of nonprofits who host charity runs, but this is the only one I've ever heard of taking place on a runway at an airport. We'll talk to folks from the Treehouse Foundation and the Northampton Airport. And the return of our friends from the Tumble Science podcast out of Greenfield. We'll hear how a blind birder learned to bird by sound and details for a live event they'll be doing in Greenfield this weekend. Plus word nerd Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster, our dictionary in Springfield on Retro Our director is Tony Chemex Thief Dunn. Our engineer is Betsy, so close but so far away, Cordis. Our technical team is Bart, my Chemex, Romance, Rankin, Kara has a few choice words, Foster, and Punk Dubé Rude Boy. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Suitcase Junket, Tina and Her Pony, Ray LaMontagne, Louis Prima, The Fawns, and Breadwinner. I'm Khalees Smith. I'm Monty Belmonte. We'll, we'll see, see you tomorrow, tomorrow on the, the Fabulous 413. We did again. <laughs>